Hi, I'm KS Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Today, you'll be listening to my interview with author Portia D to promote her book series, Lovesick, co-written by Paige Riley, currently available on Amazon Kindle. Against all odds, healthy, beautiful, and talented 28-year-old Portia Livingston is diagnosed with breast cancer. She's just lucky that way. Quickly, she discovers that having cancer isn't that bad. Heartbreak is what really hurts. She declares that even in the midst of balding and vomiting 12 times a day to chemo, she will find love and be a wife, damn it. Enter Damien. He promises to give Portia whatever her heart desires. Love, money, breast implants. All for one teeny tiny price. Her soul. Warning. This will be the sexiest tale about cancer that you have ever read. Inspired by the extraordinary and quirky true tales of the author's life. And no, there wasn't really a demon trying to buy Portia's soul. Or was there? No, there wasn't. If you're ready to enter the hilarious world of lovesick, start with round one onward. In this interview, Portia D also discusses her upcoming novella, Ghost Academy, her real-life struggles that she intertwines into her writings, insightful advice as a seasoned writer and creator, along with how she channels her purpose through multiple creative outlets. Now, let's welcome Portia D. Hello. Hold on, let me turn it up. (laughs) Oh my gosh, look at you. I see your face. I have literally... I'm like, I see your your like profile picture, but I've never really like seen your face for real. Uh-huh. Look at you. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I just um I just came from going, it was probably like an hour and a half away from where I live, but um I just needed to get some sun because it's been overcast here. Uh-huh. So yeah. So I literally just got in the door. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How are you? How's it going? I'm all right. Um, I was just listening to some uh, some Luther because it was his birthday a couple of days ago. And oh. yeah, I, I was listening to it. It was like, this man has a catalog. Like, yes, his original songs and his features and his covers that he did. And I was like, wow, like, she's pretty much over here just jamming. So I feel that. <laughs> I feel that. But yeah, just got very busy with all these writing things. It's like I thought that when I published the three books, things would level off. And then it was like, that was your thinking. Look <laughs> at you thinking that things would level off. No. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's just got I just I just suddenly had more projects. So that's a good yeah. thing. I didn't realize that lovesick was uh three separate books I thought it would be like all in one I didn't realize they were all three and then I went on there and looked I was like oh wow it's it's actually three of them they're all done now so that's pretty cool yeah thank you yeah that is why it was such an intense process I mean I was literally writing 10 12 15 hours a day yeah like that last the last two weeks before I had to put it put them into um Kindle I didn't think you could, I didn't think it was possible to write that fast, but it was possible. (laughs) 
And it yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've definitely been there where I had to, you know, go back and look over edits and then do my own edits and then re-edit it again and then review it and then publish it. And I had to do that like all in like a week. So sleep wasn't a thing. As long as I, you know, as long as I could still function, I was fine. But, you know, I, I've definitely been there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah there was just so many elements to it as well because um we pretty much came up with a process that really worked well for us me and the um co-author shannon where i would you know i wrote the outline for book two and three already and then the process was create a script for it, like a full-on script that's like 65 to 75 pages. Then put the script into whatever we already have in a shared document. Then she would be transcribing it from like script format into a novel format. While she's doing that, then I'm writing the script for book three. And then we're like flip-flopping that way. And that was how we were able to write these things so fucking fast but it was really crazy. So is that your normal process for when you write books? As far Hell as like no. Okay, so as a creative, because I was, I, I wanted to know like your creative process normally when you when you write books, like from, from an idea or a thought into all the way until now, it's all three of them have been um, published. So it, from thought to execution. How's that process yeah. been for you? in uh, for a lovesick specifically normally i mean to be fair i've been writing for many a year now pretty much as as soon as i learned how to write i was writing so the process throughout that has always changed you're always learning something like some new sort of thing um so i feel like i've never really for real had a true particular process until I had to produce three books in a series that way mm -hmm. before I would you never know what could be the idea for something you could just be watching tv for instance ghost academy the other series that I'm working on that I'm going to put on kindle now has this thing called kindle vela so it's it's where um you can produce novellas basically on Kindle, um, but they're, it's like 600 to 5,000 words per episode. And so we're gonna break the Ghost Academy up into episodes like that. In my opinion, it, it seems like Kindle's version of like Wattpad or, uh -huh. um, or like doing, doing fan fiction, but like fan fiction, cause you can't actually publish fan fiction, right? That's what it feels like to me. But anyway, we're gonna put the Ghost Academy on there, but the actual idea of Ghost Academy I got when I was like a freshman in college, a freshman or a sophomore. So that was a little while ago. <laughs> was a, was a few, oh my God. It was over 10 years ago. So the idea for that came over 10 years ago where I was just thinking like, what if there are these ghosts and they're students, but they don't know that they're dead? and they're in school and they're like, we can't be dead. Why would we go to school if we were dead? Like that was literally the idea that was, I just, I was at that stage where I was like, if I have a idea, even if it seems wacky, write it down. Mm -hmm. That was literally like the first kernel of what is now like this full on series that's 
um, diesel punk and it has all of these mythology and lore and it connects to my other stories, but it literally started from that one idea. Um, what actually started to make it become a book, like a thing that I could start to then see the scenes for, because I think that's what it is too. It's like, maybe you have a premise or maybe you just have like an atmosphere, like you want it to feel cyberpunk, you want it to feel sexy or sleek or scary or whatever. Um, but then you, you still need like a genesis, like that thing that makes you then be able to see scenes come off of it. I guess what people would call a premise, but you don't always have the premise. Um, sometimes, sometimes you just have like a scene basically. And that scene came for me when I was working at a warehouse for some reason. I don't know why, I guess I was just zoning. Um, I started thinking about something that really happened in my life um, where my brother, when he was a kid, he um, had to take ADHD medication and he almost died. Like he almost, he technically did overdose on the medication. And it was a really, it was, it was a very emotionally charged moment like in our lives. Cause he obviously had to be rushed to the hospital. He had hallucinations, but the thing that made it even more poignant was the reason why he did it. Because his teacher had told him that he was a bad earlier on in the day and he just wanted to be good. So he associated the pills with being a good boy. Like if I, I take one pill and it makes me a good boy. So if I take all the pills, I'll be really good. And, I'll, and I'm just like, you almost killed yourself because you wanted to be a good person. And that just like, for some reason really struck me in that moment. And I thought to combine the two ideas of like, what if he actually did die that day and didn't realize that he had killed himself. Um, and then the he became a she, and then she then had to have like a story cause she had to be in a, like a teenager at least. And so I, I started to piece all the puzzles to puzzle pieces together to construct the skeleton of the Ghost Academy. Okay. Um, so what inspired you um, to write Lovesick? Is this Lovesick connected with the Ghost Academy or is it something completely separate? Well, Lovesick is the, it's fiction. Uh-huh. <laughs> but lovesick is based off of my life. It's based off of my journey of looking for love while going through cancer treatment at the same time. Um, so it's fictionalized, it's dramatized. It's not claiming to be an autobiography, but it is part memoir, part um, it's part memoir, part supernatural, you know urban fantasy kind of uh, fiction, but it is heavily influenced by the real events of my life. In terms of the Ghost Academy, it's only loosely connected in the sense that the character Portia in the book is writing the Ghost Academy. Um, so how, I mean, as writers, it makes sense that a lot of times we in kind of insert ourselves in our own writings. Like I've done that things have happened to me, I've kind of like dramatized them to put them in the book. 
So it wasn't too closely connected to me. Um, but um, how much of yourself did you put in there other than the fact that the character, main character's name is Portia and she's also, she also has been diagnosed with breast cancer. Or I think she's, I think mm-hmm. the description was she doesn't know she has it yet. Is that correct? Or You're saying how much of me am I putting into the character? Yeah, like, did you ever think like, maybe, maybe I shouldn't put that in there or maybe I should, you know, dial it back a little bit or um, I'm pretty sure there's some things that you dra- you dramatize a lot or you change the bill, you change the person's name or like, you know, an eye color or whatever it may be. You did change a little bit of that. But did you think that maybe I shouldn't put that in there or am I going a little bit too far? Am I putting too much of myself in this? And maybe the reader may not, they, they might think, oh, like, it's a, this, is, this may be a little bit too much. <laughs> um hmm. not very often that I think that because I mean the when it comes to that particular story like my cancer story the most dramatic parts involve me and not really other people you know what I mean it's like the drama of having in 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 the story it's me trying to meet up with a matchmaker is connected to my cancer diagnosis. But in real life, um, I was actually going to pitch meetings for a script for a TV show. So those were the things that were interconnected. Whereas like, I, I, I have this emergency unexpected biopsy. And then I, an hour later, I have to run to this pitch meeting at Paramount Pictures. You know, it's like, that's really, and, and it's just like things like that over and over and over and over again in this cancer story, but it's about me. There's not really very much that's about like the drama of like me with another character. And if it is, it's kind of played for laughs. Cause it's like um, Portia's roommate in there. She only has one roommate. So it's like a combination of my two roommates together, but it's like, it's a conflated drama because my roommates and I don't really have like a rivalry, you know what I mean? But it's like, yeah. So, and if I do really feel that there's something that like, I'm really drawing from somebody's personal information, I just ask them like, okay, so this is your character in the book. What I'm thinking of including this storyline. How, are you okay with that? You know, and so that's what I do. And so far, everyone is like, oh, yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah. Um, has there ever Not been a time? <laughs> has there ever been time you had like a writer's block? I mean, with three books that you print, I mean, that you have published all at once. I mean, was there room to even have a writer's block? Like, how dare I have a writer's block? I got three books I need to put put out all at one time. Like. <laughs> It's not possible. I gotta, I gotta keep going regardless. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's a little bit easier because the story is about my life, and the events have pretty much always already happened. It's um, the bigger part is uh, is like, how do you want them to go together thematically? Like you might think that something that happened to you is interesting, but it might not fit into the theme of the episode or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, 
in terms of writer's block, I would say that there were times where I didn't feel like writing. Like there were definitely, but it was, it was only like, it would be a day. It'd be like, I know I should write, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. But it, I don't even think it was writer's block. It was more like, whoo, I was, I've been writing 10, 12, 15 hours a day. I am fried. I'm fried. Um, but, you know, in terms of writer's block, um, there were a few things that really helped me in, in the, like, you know, when you get a bit of information that's just like that spark that you need at the moment, that's like, oh, snap, you changed the game on me. Uh-huh. I felt like there were a few bits of information that kind of came into my life right at the moment where all of a sudden you had to, you know, publish three books at one time. The first bit of information was that people get writer's block, but they don't get talker's block. You know, it's like, rarely do you, rarely, never, never. <laughs> are you are you in a space where you're like, I'm just gonna not speak for days because I don't know what to say. No, that doesn't happen. So if you write like you talk, you're never really gonna have writer's block because you're just talking, but writing it down or whatever. So that bit of information came to me as well as, like I said, my process of writing it as a script first and then going in and tweaking it as a, a novel. I love novels. I love reading novels. I hate script. I don't like reading script, but I'm really good at writing script. Mm -hmm. For some reason, script comes supernaturally to me interesting what you said about uh no one gets talkers block because um I think of things in my head and I even talk say it out loud but it's like why can't I just write it down and then I'll take a piece of scrap paper and I'll just write down dialogue and I'm like oh and then eventually the dialogue will end up becoming a scene so that's how I really start out with defeating my runner's block as well yeah definitely so um when you with lovesick that's kind of like set in the real world and then you have your fantasy elements whereas with ghost academy you're like world building so what do you prefer do you prefer, prefer working in the real world and then working around it or do you prefer actually creating your own world i tell you what it's easier working in the real world um, <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> I'll tell you what the character like the the reader doesn't have to do so much work um but I prefer world building world building is the bread and butter of the Porsche D uh brand <laughs> yeah I love um I love exploring because I love speculative fiction anyway so I love like exploring a premise or an idea or yeah, um, certainly more enjoyable, obviously more technically difficult, but when you pull it off, I think it's just like anything um, actually in the real world. You could even liken it to doing historical fiction where uh, there are parts of the world that you have to convey to the reader. You have to convey what are the conventions, what are the rules, what are the hairstyles, what's fashionable, what's not, what are the politics, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You have to do the same thing in historical 
fiction as you do in a world that you completely made up. You got to know the same stuff. The only, some of the key differences is that in historical fiction, we have our own connotations for history. But like people in the past acted this way or that way. Like we, we sort of have an understanding of like when you think of the 50s, you think domestic violence, you think housewives, you know what I mean? It's like there's, we, we have some understanding um, of it already, even if we don't have a full understanding and didn't actually live it ourselves. But when you're talking about a fantasy world, we have no idea. You know what I mean? Like we, and, but I think that the easiest thing that you could do is for yourself kind of compare it to something that we do know. Like we've seen enough fantasy worlds now to know, is it a world that's like dystopian? Is it utopian? Is it primitive? Is it, you know, like Lord of the Rings or is it more Blade Runner? So it'll help you <laughs> convey it to the audience and like, Give the audience shorthand. That's what I think is probably the most important because people think that audiences want detail. I think as a rare person wants that much detail. They really want shorthand. They really want it to be like, give me what I need to know in order to understand and move on. Like I don't need, you know, the color of the sky and the, what kind of, do you have deciduous trees? I don't need to be belabored by that. You know, it's like, okay, forest, you give them the idea that it's kind of like up in Washington area. You know what I mean? So yeah. the creating shorthand as much as possible without obviously relying heavily on like cliche or someone else's work really helps uh, in terms of like fantasy and world building. Yeah, that was advice that someone gave me as well um, working in fantasy. Um, urban fantasy specifically it's like you, you don't need a huge you don't need like an info dump you don't need a whole lot of description um maybe just using one or two descriptive words for a scene like a city is a city everybody knows what a city is country is the countryside is the countryside everybody knows what countryside is okay. you know maybe if it affects right. the scene if it affects the scene or removes the scene forward then yeah i don't need to know it but you know one a city here in in Baltimore is the same as the city in uh, Los Angeles. It's the same as if it's in any other major city in the world, London, Paris, whatever it may be. It's pretty much all the same. But um, what other insight could you get up and coming uh, writers um, when they're first getting started? Like maybe something that you know you wish someone would have told you when you first started writing that you can give to other writers. All right, how much time we got? <laughs> well, yeah, like I said, first thing with the shorthand, um, I say make rules for yourself, make rules for the world, make rules for um, you know your book and don't break it unless it makes sense. And even in the breaking of the rule, have it still be a rule. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because a lot of the time, things are just kind of all over the place with new writers or, you know, or just that can be kind of the folly of, of writing is um, whether it be tenses, whether it be tone, whether it, you know, it, it's just the literal rules of the world where it's like, 
you can do magic and then suddenly you can't do magic. It's like, what's the rule? And then follow the rule throughout, like in every, in every category of the word, even down to like, if you hyphenate the word bow tie or you just make bow tie, you know, two words, uh-huh. follow your own rules and only break it if it makes sense, you know? Um, so I guess that's sort of like, you know, just a technical thing, but it'll, it'll really help um, with the polishing aspect. In terms of uh, just actually writing, you know, because that's the real problem with writers is that they don't write. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, if you write, you're a writer. So like, just get over that of like, I wanna be a writer. Well, if you actually write something, you're a writer. And if you don't write anything, you're not a writer. So don't call yourself a writer. You gotta actually write. Um, <laughs> um, but really write like you, no one is watching. And as this, there was this other author who said, like, I'm gonna steal his quote. He said, write like no one's watching because no one is watching. Um, mm -hmm. no one cares for real. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, you're gonna write a lot of things. I've written thousands of pages, thousands. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, we we get very much so caught up in like how the is the sound flowery or whatever. And what I realized from writing script and then translating script into a novel is that I would think that me as a reader and other people as readers really want to like really want to hear flowery things that sound good and yes make your sentences sound smooth you don't want something that's so staccato that it's like even hard to read in your head but they really just want to know what happened you gotta make things happen that's the thing with script why I really loved formatting it into the script first is in a script you don't care about it already has a format. So that's already done for you. With the book, you can format it any way you want. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But with the script, it's like, this is it. You have to tell me what the scene is. And then after that, you have to tell me what the camera sees. If you can't, if you can't say what the camera sees, it's exposition, you know, or it's thought or whatever. So then you have to have some way, some other way of conveying that information. Either it's a voiceover, that the character speaks, um, it's dialogue, or you create a narrator that you know is, is, is explaining like what's happening inside of the character. But once you realize that you need a narrator now, then you you do you use that sparingly. So that cuts down on all this like unnecessary expo exposition and makes you just focus on the action because that's the that's a, that's a story is like the action, what actually happens. And then when you get into the novel, you've already, you already have your story here and now you load it with meaning. Now you make everything flow, but you, you do it in that, at that point of the process, not when it, you're struggling and you have like 14 words on the page and you're trying to make all of this happen, action and meaning and all of that stuff together. Um, I'm not saying that everybody should write a script and then write a novel. That was just like my process, but uh -huh. that really uh, helped everything <laughs> come together. Um, I did have another piece 
of advice. It's fun giving advice. I love this. <laughs> Great. Um, and I'm like, oh, giving advice. <laughs> Little old me. Is <laughs> um, <laughs> There's there's lots of technical advice that's out there, and I, I I think the biggest advice is like learn learn more about the craft and how the craft actually works. Like learn about storytelling, learn about introspection, learn about you know the obvious show versus tell, but learn your genre conventions. What is your genre? You know, and learn how to make the process easier. We're not out here to make writing hard. We're out here to make use it as a tool to get our stories out there um so you it's like any other skills like learning a guitar you the you can have a natural affinity for it but it's gonna make it, it's gonna make making songs so much easier if you understand how to actually use this instrument so that's what writing is it's just an instrument and i would suggest learning as much as you can about it because i think that there are a lot of people who have very good stories um, that aren't written very well and that takes you out of it and then you have people who have very well written stories but there's they don't really have a story there's not really much happening it's so introspective that it doesn't have very much like commercial appeal so being able to marry the two of like actually creating something that happens in the story and then the writing you know, it's, it's pretty nice, is what we is what we strive for. You got to learn how to do that, like with the with the tools. And read your story out loud. <laughs> That'll really help you know if like something is flowing or not. Uh -huh. Yes, and <laughs> read it with other people. <laughs> that that feeling of embarrassment Yes, it will. Uh, <laughs> it will propel you to make changes that you wouldn't have made on your own. Yeah, I, I definitely understand that. Um, especially when I someone suggests that I do this and do that, and I'm like, no. And then when I go back to read it again before I publish it, I was like, oh, maybe they were right. Or um, I was reading something that I wrote maybe two years ago, and it had a lot of run-on sentences and uh i was just like wow like i really wrote like that like oh my god i'm so embarrassed you know but i yeah it's just you just learn from it honestly and i, I definitely learn from it but yeah um another question i have is what is your idea of success and i ask that because um if you're not making money or you have like you don't have regular paychecks like a full-time job um that to other people and even to yourself, that's not successful. Um, that's what a lot of artists like us are led to believe. And they may be hesitant and doubtful of pursuing this career path because it's highly competitive or it's incredibly intimidating. Like I have two books that I published. You have these three here. You're working on more projects. I'm working on more projects. You know, people are coming at us and asking us about advice or writing their own books and this and that. And you're giving your advice. And I just tell people just to just to write, really, really just to get started. You know, you're not going to go anywhere if you're standing still. Right. But. For me, success yeah. is productivity. 
you know, how much, how much progress are you making? Even if you are making mistakes, you've still gone somewhere instead of standing still. So for me, success is productivity. It doesn't have to be every single day. As long as your, your story is moving forward, including edits, including removing things and even starting all over again, you're still making progress. So for you, what is your idea of quote unquote success? Yeah, I think that's a great definition. I mean, in all honesty, success in life is, is well, living is progress. Even if you accomplish amazing things, but that's all you do, that's, you will get bored very quickly or unsatisfied very quickly because things aren't progressing. So yeah, I think that's a, um, a great definition for success. Um, and just for making sure that whatever you're doing is life-giving and energizing um, because energy is movement. Kind of pretty much like you were saying, you're not going to go anywhere if you're not standing still. In terms of lovesick success for me, I think because this book is so personal, it is the story of my life. At least, you know, it's about eighty percent my life, and it's it's really important that this is educational and not just entertainment. I mean, you know, edutainment, we're educating and entertaining at the same time, but the stakes are very much so very wrapped into the actual like outcome of my life, because this is a, this is a situation where anyone who's reading my story, anyone who engages in my story, anyone who buys from my story is actively changing the trajectory the trajectory like of my life because the sales are going into my ability to search for better doctors the just your eyeballs you know is is creating awareness to the mystery of my case like every step of the way all of my doctors have said I've never seen that before in any situation from the beginning of me getting cancer, they're like, huh, I've never seen that happen. And you have these doctors who've been doctors for like over 20 years and they are stumped. So it's, it's you reading it, you're now the detective here. You could be like, oh, that's, that's really curious. Um, that kind of looks like X, Y, Z, you know, it's like, it's a in action scavenger hunt or like, you know, sort of little de detective work that everybody gets to do by reading this book. And so the exposure element, the, the entertainment element and the educational element, those are all combined and the stakes are hell high for me because I still have cancer, you know? Um, so I think, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different. I think what it is, is the success obviously is measured in how it affects me and not just me, but 
everyone going forward because I'm not writing love sick just for myself. Like, yeah, the story's crazy. And the story must be told because the story is wild. But I'm doing it because I have a purpose. The purpose is to uncover what the hell's going on with cancer. How how are these how why is cancer now an inevitability? Some may add enough. We need to figure out what's going on. Why are young, healthy people who supposedly have no no pre-diagnosed conditions, no risk factors, why are they all of a sudden getting cancer in the worst way, the most aggressive cancer? Why are all of these young people dying? I think there's a lot of focus on the cure for cancer. There are tons of books about the cure for cancer. Not very many books about the cause, not very much research about the cause, but I would much rather we not get cancer as opposed to having the best cure for cancer that there is. And so that's why I write the book because I believe that I will change the face of cancer. I believe that I will discover what causes cancer. And this is my, this is, this is, you're following my, my path of how I'm getting there, why I'm thinking this. You're, you're watching history happen. So this is my documentation. <laughs> so it has a, it has a different, it has a different measure for me. Obviously that bar of success is super high, but when you have a conviction, it becomes more than just a book. It's more than just a book. Like this is my life. Yes, you can read it, but this is my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it's will will there will always be those micro levels of of success of you know the the pre sales. We got like over a hundred sales for the book for the pre sale, and I'm like that's exciting. <laughs> um, but you know, I think once you when you understand the motivation behind something the success is different, no matter what your actual definition or like your landmark for success is, that success is different. Because when it comes to going through any cancer treatment, for instance, or just going, yeah, I'm like, going through a cancer treatment, for instance, you might have a different definition of what success might be for that day, that week, that month. If you're going through chemo and it's hitting you as hard as, as it hit me, I mean, it took me out. It took me out. It, success might be, you know what? We go, we gonna get up today. And we're only gonna vomit four times. We're not gonna vomit 12, we gonna figure this out. You know, that's a different kind of, the, the success bar once again, is is connected to progress, but the meaning behind it is gonna be is gonna be so much different. So it's like cultivate the meaning behind the success, or you know, because a lot of people their landmark will be like, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars, or I want to make you know, you 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 have these definitive goals, which you should have, but you also need to have the meaning, the why. You know, a lot of people talk about this. Why? What does that even mean when you get the hundred thousand dollars? And that'll make sure that you you know what you're aiming for too, because 
um, a lot of people, they, they think that when they get to a certain landmark, then life starts. And they're like, okay, once, once I have this novel written, then my life can begin. Once I move to California, then my life will begin. Well, first of all, your life's already happening. Mm. You're not dead. Your life's already happening. You were born how many years ago? You are alive and your life's been going. Uh, but what is you, what are you actually going to accomplish when you get here? Like, what does that really mean to you? It's like, if you, the difference between like, yeah, I just won a hundred thousand dollars and my life will start versus when I get to this landmark, I'll be able to pay off my loans. I'll be able to, you know, buy my sister a new engine for her car because it's been messing up on her and stalling out. And I'll be able to buy my children some new shoes. Well, now that's, now you're bringing a lot more meaning to that hundred thousand dollars so that when it happens, you have so much gratitude because that hundred thousand dollars is spoken for, you know, it's not just an empty desire. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you know, I think the same should be said for writing, for whatever skill, whatever endeavor you have, have that goal, but also marry it with your intention. Why do you want it? And make it compelling, emotionally compelling. Like, cause I mean, getting new like Gucci shoes for yourself, I don't know how compelling that is, but getting a hundred thousand dollars so that you don't ever have to worry about the cost of chemo and you can go to whatever doctor that you need to go to in order to save your life. Now that's mm-hmm. compelling. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really uh, strong note, powerful note, I should say, to um, end uh, my line of questioning. Do you have any other things you wanted to um, say to let anyone else know? about you and your writing or lovesick specifically or anything else? About me, (laughs) about my writing. Um, (laughs) Well, so obviously I would love for anybody to invest in the writing and to check out the book. I think the books are highly entertaining. If you only read like one or two books a year, I would definitely you know, consider, consider going to Amazon Kindle, getting the, just the first uh, lovesick book called um, uh, Onward. It's, I think you can actually get it for free um, as well. If you can't get it for free, it's $4.99, but um, yeah, yeah. You, won't, you won't be able to put it down. Okay, it's Kindle Unlimited for free. If you have unlimited, Kindle unlimited yeah. it's free. If right. not, I think it's $4.99, the first one. So the first one is Lovesick Round One Onward. The second one is Round Two on the Rebound. And the third one is on the run, round three on the run. So yeah, um, if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can get it for free. If not, you would have to pay full price. Um, but those are the Kindle versions. Will these be published? Uh, do we have physical copies of these books and maybe at some point? Yes, for sure. I. <laughs> this is why I say I'll be so busy because <laughs> it's like I'm already working on four, five, and six, um, and that's how these books are in this series are going to be released is in bundle like this because mm-hmm. I want to do it sort of like the Netflix 
perfect way of just like dropping, um, you know, a couple books at a time so that you can binge read. I want the process for people reading to be as seamless as possible. I really want them to feel like they're getting a lot of the um, of the story and just like you're on a ride because it's fun. It's supposed to be fun. Uh, but yeah, I released them three books at a time um, on Kindle, but they will be available in every kind of platform that there is. They'll be available um, in print, which will be coming out soon, I swear. Um, <laughs> and audiobook. Now the audiobook, I recorded the first audiobook for um, Onward. It took twice as long to record because we were laughing so much. I mean, it was ridiculous. Like it was, it was just, it. it's just the funnest, funniest thing ever. Like, and I say this all the time, but Lovesick really is like the funniest book about cancer you will ever read. And, and the recording process showed me that to be true because we were just, it's, <laughs> I mean, it was getting ridiculous at a certain point. I'm like, we gotta finish this. We can't. You, we got to stop this. Oh. <laughs> so yes, the audiobook, the audiobooks, plural. That's the double-edged sword of recording three things that you know, or like creating three things at one time. Because now you have to do all the other stuff for three books at one time. But those will, um, those will be made available eventually. Um, because I did it with cast, um, it was four of us. So it's a little bit, a little bit harder to, um, you know, just more work, I guess, in terms of getting us all together, because it's four people as opposed to just me. Um, but not only that, but music. So I'm actually producing, creating, singing the music that'll be in uh, the background of uh, the audiobook and as well as putting it um on spotify so that people can download the soundtrack to listen along to either the ebook or the, the print version so that is um that is work that is happening but all of the platforms will be available i'm even looking to go into vr too because you know they now they have the like vr is becoming a much more of a household thing yeah so there are ways that you know people can like experience a book with vr so i'm like what let's go oh, I've, I've never heard of that i didn't realize you could do that with a book yeah my mom told me and i'm like um that's what we gonna do that's uh, like the next step for uh portia because i i just love for my worlds to be as immersive as, as possible. I know that it's just words on a page, but I want more than just words on a page. That's why I want the visuals, the uh, you know, the audio, any way that you can be immersed into it. That's why I put pictures in my book. I don't care if it's an adult book. You know what I mean? If, mm -hmm. if there's a dating profile, I'm gonna show you the dating profile. If there's a business card, I'm gonna show you the business card. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just want I just want it to be as fun, as playful, as tangible, um, and immersive as possible. So that's another bit of advice. Think outside of the box in terms of how can you help the reader? 
you know, because I, I see it as like, if I have this information, there's a way that I can, you know, help them absorb the information better by the visuals and actually looking at, like actually seeing someone's dating profile helps you absorb that information a lot, a lot better. And everybody all, they have their different ways of learning as well. So use all of that to your advantage. Mm -hmm. Who says you just gotta have words in a book? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like even though people have been writing books forever, it's, it's all these new channels of communicating are coming out now. You don't have to, you know, restrict yourself to just um, words on the page. And you're, you're definitely showing that now with audiobook and not just audiobook and physical copies, but virtual reality. Like who would have thought a virtual reality for a book? I wouldn't have thought, I, would, I didn't even think that was possible. So now I got to Google how to do that and see how that works. Yeah. Yeah. And then you tell me because I'm, I'm <laughs> we're starting off at the same point. I just had the idea. I don't know how to execute, but yeah. That's another bit of advice. Look at that. <laughs> Get a team. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely need a team because I'm taking on, I'm becoming more and more ambitious, more and more confident in my work. But it's like, it's only so many days in a week. It's only so many hours in a day. And I'm trying, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to start networking a lot more to, you know, get more people on my side and help me with some of this stuff. So, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, leverage other people's talent, their time and ambition and work together um, because I could not have written and published those three books without my co-author, book cover design and my editor. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, I just couldn't have, like, I mean, I, designed the book covers for two and three and the temporary book cover for book one but I'm like even that was like oh my god like the process of just editing the like the book cover I'm like can you kill me why Uh yeah just um utilizing other people's skills and leveraging that to create something you know, bigger than you could have ever thought possible. Yeah, that's really great advice. Um, so yeah, I've, my line of questioning is done. Um, is there anything else you want to push in, you know, squeeze in really fast before we um, <laughs> go ahead and wrap this up? <laughs> Just thank you for her having me on. How exciting. I feel so honored. I really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, I'm just very humble that anyone wants would want to hear my advice. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, I'm open to hearing anything. Anyone's willing to talk, I'm willing to willing to listen. Like I feel like everyone has a story and everyone should have a platform available to them to be able to say their piece. And you know, it doesn't matter how small or where in the process they are. I feel like everyone should be able to say what they have to say. So that's just where I'm coming from. And that's lovely. I love it. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you're doing this. So it's making it possible for us to even have this dialogue in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, baby girl. Yeah. <laughs>
All right. So, yeah, I just want to remind the listeners, um, again, this is with Portia D. That's D as in David. Uh, this is about her lovesick series. Um, as of right now, it's only book one through three. Again, it's round one, which is onward. Round two, which is on the rebound. And round three on the run as of right now. Those are digital copies on Amazon, but eventually they'll be visit, visit, sorry, physical copies, um, the audiobook, and then possibly VR. Or is that a little bit too far ahead? Is that a little right. bit too ambitious? Well, it, I mean, that's what it's going to be. That's what it's going to be. We don't know what it's going to be, but yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Portia. I, I really, I really appreciate you taking the time out to uh, your really, really extremely busy schedule to have a conversation with me <laughs> no problem yeah thanks again to portia d the author of the love six series co-written by Paige riley the first bundle of books onward on the rebound and on the run are currently available on amazon kindle you can find portia on social media under the name at portia does style all one word on facebook and instagram again I'm Chaos Garner, and you've listened to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Thank you.